Welcome back, Kofkin Bond listeners. We're here with episode 165. And today is my guest, someone that I've been waiting to get on a podcast for a very long time. I think once I bought this equipment, we had the same idea as every other idiot has at the pub, um, that we can start our own podcast and, and talk sport. But today, my guest is my very dear friend, Anton Tidmarsh. Anton, welcome. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for having me. What are your thoughts about our original podcast idea? Are you happy that we, we stayed away or do you still think there's a bit of a spark there? No, the spark is still definitely there in my eyes and I'm uh, very hopeful that one day we will be uh, rating at the top there with Howie Games and <laughs> talking to the you know the best of the best of Australian sport and maybe even international, who knows? We might have LeBron on there one day, but yeah, the spark's still there. Well, for the time being, we'll sit on the financial services and a bit of information at Coff Combined. But look, mate, um, you really work in an uh, area of business that um, comes across our desk quite a bit with a lot of our business clients asking about it. Um, people talk about how hard it is to retain talent, to gain talent, um, and to find that right person for that right role. So um, do you want to give a bit of a background on your company um, and the role that you do? Yeah, so I work in recruitment and I work for Ignite Recruitment. So, you know, Ignite, for you who don't know, we're a listed um, diversified talent business. Uh, we work in the private and public sector across Australia and New Zealand. Um, and I specialise in IT recruitment. Now, I've worked in um, you know, multiple facets in recruitment from education to business support. Um, but those words that you said there about, you know, gaining and retaining talent you know, stay the same across all, all those sectors. So, yeah, that's a um, little brief about where I work and, and what I do. Yeah, Ignite work across a fair few um, sectors, is that correct? Yeah, so at the moment we've got IT digital, you know, we've got business and office support um, from construction, professional services, and we do this all across federal, state and local government as well. Yeah, so recruitment, one of those things, how do you sort of get into this industry? It's it's not something, you know, being a country guy, I didn't even know that there was a role in recruitment, but um, I think when you move to the CBD, it's it's, it's quite a prominent job. Yeah, it is. And recruitment's a funny one because, you know, there's no course you study for recruitment. Um, and, you know, the age-old thing, a lot of people, I think, find these recruitment ads and they'll say, we want someone with two, three years' experience in recruitment. But uh, and, and that was, you know, years ago when I first got back into it. But it's one of those roles now that because the talent, um, I guess, in, in a lot of industries at the moment is lacking, um, that the recruitment companies are having to look wider and further to get into recruitment. So at the moment, a lot of people can get into it two ways, really. And, and the first way is just at entry level. So we look at someone who you know, is very green and doesn't really have any skills in, I guess, the kind of the space they're working in. Yep. Um, but they might have a sales background, you know, really good people skills, communication skills. Um, and then they'll, they'll just learn on the job. They'll get that chance wherever that is, and they'll learn on the job, and they'll grow into you know, a professional recruiter. And the second is they are already skilled in that space. So I worked with people who were teachers in past life, and they've worked in recruitment in the education space, yeah. or now at the moment, IT. So people who have worked in the IT space and now work purely recruiting for IT. So which side of recruitment, I guess, are you working on? Are you finding the talent or are you finding the jobs um, or, or a mixture of both? Well, it's what came first, chicken or the egg. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's just say yourself here at Coffin Bond & Co and you called me and said that you needed a candidate for the position of X and Y, um, then I would go, yep, yeah, no worries, I'll go out and I'll try and find, you know, a bunch of candidates for you, bring them to you, you do the interviews after I've interviewed them myself. Um, and hopefully find you a candidate that's worthy of working here at Coffin Bond. But then the other side is that 
some like candidate myself might call me and say they're looking to work in a certain area in a certain field and then I'll go out and I'll find someone like Kofkin Bond and I'll say do you have a need for this type of person um, hopefully you do and then yeah we'll get the same thing we'll send that candidate to you you do the interviews once they've interviewed as well and they'll go forward so yeah it, it's really chicken or the egg there, there's no right way to start yeah I always find it interesting um, I guess when I'm looking for my own candidates as well um, you know I've spoken with a lot of recruiters and, and done my own searching through Seek and things like that and, and everyone has a different thought pattern around finding the right candidate um, I guess what's some of your theories if I'm that candidate I've set my resumes in for the first time um, what's the do's and don'ts yeah I think for candidates at the moment it's you know recruiters can have a bad name in the industry itself so it's just um, don't spread yourself too thin. So kind of, you know, find a recruiter that you feel comfortable with, feel like, you know, they're listening to what you're saying, um, you build a good rapport with. Um, you know, maybe another recruiter, but I wouldn't go to any more than two because you're just going to get saturated in the market with, you know, people sending out your CVs everywhere. So if you find someone, a recruiter, who you, as I said, you trust and you have good rapport with, you know, reach out to them, tell them, be very clear about what you want and when I say be clear, if you don't know what you want, tell them you don't know what you want. Um, the worst thing you can do to the recruiter is, you know, try and tell them. You know, if you think you're speaking to the client, you're trying to sell yourself to them, but it's not really true for whatever reason, then the client can't, the um, recruiter can't represent you, you know, properly to that client. So yeah. do that yourself, but then be active in the market, you know, kind of see what trends you're seeing. Um, you know, are, are jobs being re-advertised? You know, are there not many jobs that you're looking for in Seek? So if there are, then, you know, it's going to be hard to do that so yeah there's no um, right or wrong way about it but I think it's just be very very cautious of going out sending out a thousand emails and CVs you know to every single person you can see because you're not going to get that relationship and that recruiter's not going to work for you directly as much as they would have for the you know a proper relationship there yeah what's some of the funniest things you've seen I guess come across in a resume has anyone tried anything outlandish the photos on the CVs get me do they yeah I <laughs> we've had um, you know, I used to work in education and I had a, um, a male candidate send through and he had a photo on his front page and um, it looked like he'd probably more suited at a beach than <laughs> on a CV. So, yeah, I don't know. I just For me, I'm old school. I, I like the CVs to be pretty simple. You know, yeah. a lot of the people these days are trying to stand out, which I understand. Um, so, you know, all the frills and stuff on the sides and the different fonts and the different colours and stuff like that, you know, they, they do look nice, but photos on the front just yeah i think no one's ever going to do a photo where i think guys let's look at this person their photo is amazing so yeah i just think keep it nice and just smart and formal on it, the cv it's so funny i actually helped one of our friends i won't put who the name was but i actually helped them with one of their uh, cvs years ago and put the photo on it and he's still copying <laughs> he's still copying it from his work <laughs> colleagues for putting his photo on he got the job though and was well, successful so <laughs> yeah and and look it and one of my bigger things is there's no like, there's no rules about you know getting a job. There's no book about the do's and don'ts. It's up to that person. So if you're the person doing the interview and you see the photo and you think there's something a little bit funny about it, like a bit you know low key, but casual, then hey, that person might get the job. So please don't take my word for it. I'm not the um, you know I'm not not the expert of you know the whole school recruitment. But as I said, it comes down to everyone individually. But for me, yeah, I still very steer clear of photos on CVs. I, I like you. I like you keep it clean and simple. Um, you know, if someone sends you through a six seven page cv um is that too much yeah yeah definitely um and 
it, it, it can be really detrimental to yourself if you do try and bombard people yeah. with, you know, too much information. So, you know, the IT space at the moment, you know, there is so many technologies that people need to kind of mention that they're working on. So by all means, you need to put in the technology, then your skills and your strength, um, you know, but... I've seen people put one-page summaries, which kind of that's an oxymoron, I think, saying a one-page summary of, of who you are. You know, that's just too long to be talking about that. Um, so just be a bit smarter. Like if you do really want to put forward, you know, a little bit about yourself personally, um, which to be honest, I did for this role that I got into. I was at a stage of my career where I was really cautious where I worked, and I really wanted to work somewhere where my values were aligned. Yeah. Um, so I put a cover letter with my CV, um, but the cover letter was really from an emotive point of view, and it, you know that might scare some people away, and I knew that, but that was going to be positive for me because it was going to scare the people away who don't want to work with someone who's emotive and someone who's you know hard on the sleeve type guy, which you know I am. Yeah. So um, yeah, be smart if you've got information you want to use, just put it in the right passage. But yeah, seven pages and stuff like that about information that's just not needed. Yeah, I find when I'm actually looking at them, I've sort of started to, when I'm speaking to people and giving them some guidance around around how I think about recruiting and that as well, those page snapshots or or two pages essentially is where I really like it to sit. Um, And I've even looked, you know, on the left-hand side, like from roles that I guess with people applying for me, I don't need to know that they're proficient in Excel. Like, you know, it seems to be the one line, you know, proficient in Excel. Like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Um, But when people start to talk about some of their achievements in a bit of a summary, so it's almost putting the CV dot points into real-life examples and a summary of that person and sort of working it like that, I really like to read those stories. Um, Yeah. And that's something that relates to me but can understand from an IT perspective you know, you, you actually probably need to know the skills. So really, I think it's a matter of what job you're going for as well um, yeah. about the way you structure it. Yeah, it's, it's the job, it's the industry, you know, it's the company size, it's all those different things. So you, you just have to be cautious. But at the end of the day, you just got to, I think, got to be true to yourself. Like, yeah. I, I can't stress that enough because, you know, what you want to put in there is what's going to come across. So, like, that would be my advice is, is be honest to yourself and, um, you know, if you can show yourself in your CV as much as you can, do it that way because then that way, if, if you do it another way and then they interview you, it's going to be, hang on, well, the CV's looking like this and the actual person is looking like that and people are going to get confused and then if someone is confused, they're more likely, if it's a 50-50 call with someone else, they're going to go with someone who they're not confused with. So, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, those summaries and stuff like that, you just got to take into account where it is, the company size, industry, you know, is it really professional, is it a bit more like that? So, and if you want to put on a topless cover photo, then <laughs> make sure you've, um, you've had a, a good winter in the gym. So I come in, suit and tie, I've got my briefcase ready and I'm having an interview with you. Um, What's some of the first questions you fire at candidates? What's some of the sort of little tricks of the trade there? Yeah, well, for me, because I'm obviously recruiting for specific roles every single time, so, um, you know, the... First thing I try and do is just have a bit of a a general chit-chat at the beginning just to kind of get the person's personality to come across. Um, A lot of my clients have, you know, quite strong values in federal government that I work with, um, so I need to make sure that the person themselves is applying for this role for the right reason. Um, You know, skills aside, if the person could do their job, you know, with their eyes closed, if they're not the right person, then they're not going to be the right fit. So general chit-chat at the beginning, just kind of see how they are. Um, and I always like to ask questions that were in the job ad just to see if they actually read through the job ad. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, there's stories of people putting job ads up with, like, 
you know, say five mistakes in there and then at the end of it they'll say can you please you know read through the five mistakes when you get the phone call about the job or the interview so things like that kind of some people do laugh about and think they're a little bit silly but I think it's really important that it's the same thing as the CV like if you're going to apply for a hundred jobs it's why are you applying for those hundred jobs yeah do you really want to work at that company or are you just trying to get a job and some people just need to get a job and it's fine you can you can do that um, but yeah, just be mindful because when people start asking questions in interviews and you don't know the question that you should know, it's hard to go back from. You, you can really do some detriment to your you know, position at that time. Yeah, and I, I've had examples like that where I know they haven't read it. I've, yeah. I've called them; they have no idea who's speaking to them on the phone. When yeah. I, when I even say the company, oh, oh, and you know, I know that they've just hit apply to a hundred jobs. And, and once they start stumbling, you're right. It, in my thought patterns, okay, well, they're not that interested in us. Why am I that yeah. interested in them? And some people, which is even worse, some people will not know the answer and will start stumbling, or they will. So some people will stumble, and, and you know they look bad. At least you can kind of see that person know they've made a mistake. But other people, you'll ask them a question they don't know, and it's just water for ducks back. Yeah. But you could just kind of go, well, this person doesn't really care that they haven't known something they should have known. So that's guys a massive red flag for me along those lines. But yeah, I, I think it's just um, you know that being unprepared, being organised, you know, like we learned all these things in school. Like I remember kind of being you know, taught about the real world and stuff like that in, in the middle of algebra in English, um, about kind of, you know, when you're going for your job interviews, how to prepare and stuff like that. So it, those methods to me I think are still really true, which is just come prepared, make sure you're early, make sure you're on time, you know, make sure you're not flustered when you get there. How, how early is too early? Well... I was interviewing for roles, uh, say, six months ago for myself, obviously, and I went to one interview and I was doing a day of interviews, so I kind of lined them all up. Anyway, one of them, I got there 20 minutes early and I felt a bit uncomfortable, but I I thought, look, I'd rather just go in and sit in and I didn't know what the reception area was going to be like. And I walked in and pressed the lift and the lift opened up into the middle just off the office floor. (laughs) <laughs> and it was the most uncomfortable thing, and I'm not going to name the name because there's no need to. But this this young guy who was just sitting there eating a packet of twisties at his desk, like in, in the middle of his job, looked at me and he was lovely. And he was like, "Hey, mate, how are you going? Like, oh, good, thanks. Like, I'm I'm here to you know interview with you know the person's name." And I was like, "Yep, no worries. Just come sit over here on this like cushion top thing in the corner of the office floor." So I just had to sit there for 20 <laughs> minutes, like. <laughs> listening to people make their sales calls and like you know just living like doing their job and then someone came out who was me and they're like yeah we'll be done shortly and I said look I'm sorry I'm a bit early but it was just really uncomfortable and awkward so that was more because I had to sit in the middle of their floor and they didn't have a reception but I think just get there 15 minutes early and if you're a little bit early you know go get a coffee beforehand or something like that mind you caffeine is probably not the best thing before a job interview uh, talking too much but yeah 15 minutes is is roughly what you should be doing yeah I'm a 10-15 minute guy as well and and, you know as you when I'm interviewing people um, you know if they get here early you almost feel rushed you know that you've got to get through what you're doing to, yeah. to get into a room with them yeah um and so you don't want to feel like they're going into it either no that's the thing you don't want to make the client feel uncomfortable you know and if if you get there say you know 45 minutes early the client is probably going to think oh, you know was it 10 o'clock or 10 45 like did you know so it, it 
Those, those things don't really matter at the end of the day because if you have the interview and the interview goes fine and you come across the way you want to come across, then most things will be good and hopefully it will be a, a funny story, you know, a year down the track you can talk about. But, yeah, I think just the most important part is get there with enough time that you're going to feel calm and relaxed and organised before the interview starts. Yeah, so I've got through the first gatekeeper in you. Um, yeah. You like me. Um, I'm suited for the role. Now, how does that relationship work, you know, when you go back and talk to that company? How do you talk about a candidate? Yeah, so that's, I guess, uh, you know, the, the tricky part about my job is, um, you know, I have to understand what my client is wanting, you know, and we always joke about clients wanting a unicorn, you know, that, but that's what that's what we try and do. We try and find the candidate that the client can't find because otherwise they wouldn't be coming to us. So, yeah. you know, before I get to um, putting you forward is I, um, I have, you know, very kind of, I guess, uh, lengthy conversations with my client in regards to what they're looking for. So skill set, yep what do they need to do prerequisites all that stuff but what's the person that you want you know do you need a certain type of person because if they don't perfect and that happens you know a lot of roles that we recruit for um, in the past is just that doesn't really come across it so but when when there are values involved and there are kind of meaning and that purpose that's that's a tricky thing because you can't say can you explain to me your values like I can ask you about someone's degree or qualification because you've either got it or you don't so once I've got that then, yeah, I just have those conversations with my candidate. Let's say, Jamie's the candidate that I've got. I believe that he's got his values on there. And then I'll just send across your details to the client um, in email, normally kind of formatted CV myself. So if there are any photos on the front page or anything like that or any crazy things I might edit, take out, we'll send it across to the client and just kind of say, this is the person we're submitting forward. Now, the, the most important question is, can you give me feedback on that candidate once they've had a look at it? Um, and you know, this is where the relationship we spoke about with the candidate being really open and honest is just as important vice versa with the client. And so after your interview, you're giving a lot of feedback to your candidate as well about how their initial interview went with you. So when they're going to actually meet the client, um, that they're better prepared. Yeah, definitely right. So, you know, my job is to give you the best possible chance to get that job. So yeah. I'm not doing my job properly if I'm not, you know, preparing you and setting you up to the best possible thing. So I'll call my candidates the day of the interview just to have a chat in the morning, yep. try and make a few jokes, make them feel light harder. Because some people, uh, you know, interview wizards and they feel really comfortable and they're really good and that's fine. Um, but I'll just kind of chuck a few questions in there and just see how they're feeling, make sure they're on the ball. But some people, yeah, they get I've spoken to a guy today, to be honest, and yeah, he was, um, you know, probably in his 40s, been working long term with two last roles and he, he feels a little bit nervous going back into the whole process of applying for jobs again. So well, we spoke for 20 minutes this morning just trying to you know, just let him know that he's not alone, that a lot of people, especially now after COVID and stuff like that, reassessing their careers and changing their roles. So but yeah, I just have to kind of set him up to make sure that he knows exactly what the client's going to be expecting of him. Yep. There's questions, um, but yeah, values and stuff like that as well and the type of person they're looking for. So that person can come across as the candidate they want to hire so do some of your clients what's some of the process as well so i know when applying for sub jobs some people have to go through aptitude tests you know first round mm. of interviews second round of interviews meet the board yeah you know it's quite a lengthy process how does a recruiter help along that whole journey well, so a client might start, a client will start recruiting for themselves first and foremost. Yep. They won't come to us directly. Um, it'll be very rarely that they do. It does happen, but very rarely. So the client will do that themselves. Now, the client might 
still want us to find that person, but then once we've found that person, they still might want to put them through the app tests and all those things, yeah. which are my nightmares. I can't stand them. I, I haven't actually... I went to do one once and I was like, no. Yeah, I, I feel like I can never put the right answer in because it's in, some of them, I feel like they're saying to me, Anton, would you, you know, rather help the old lady cross the road or save the, you know, pregnant lady from the burning building? I'm like, well, which one? Like, you know, because it's a car crash or like a burning building. I'm like, I'm a bad person. So I, I find those things really hard and I get nervous and I'll probably, probably butcher them when I do it. But we've, I've had to do lots of them because I work in, you know, a sales environment. So we're constantly trying to check, um, you know, and it's a, a learning or a development thing, I think, I guess you'll say. So from my point of view, they do it a lot. But from a candidate's point of view, yeah, they will, they will kind of put them forward um, and then whether or not that, that candidate fits the criteria of whatever these tests spit out yeah. um, at the end, which I don't understand the algorithms and I don't understand what, kind of what they do at the end, but I'm, I'm old school and I just like to... I'm faith value, I think. I can, I'm a pretty good judge of character, so I can read someone from my multiple conversations and encounters. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit the same. I think relationships are more important than seeing what someone answered in a few multiple choice questions. Mm. Um, but, you know, so, you know, what's some of the hardest processes you've seen for some of your candidates? Yeah, I think it's just the... It's probably not the hardest process, but probably the most frustrating is when the client might change the end goal. Yep. So it might say, look, oh, one interview and then we'll give you feedback and go from there. And then it might be another interview, um, which two interviews is very common. But if it's, you know, another interview after that or a, a lack of response, so the candidate is waiting. And it's such a candidate short market at the moment in a lot of fields because of COVID and the outcome where we are now. So we have to be very mindful that quality candidates are getting snapped up. You know, and that we spoke about at the very beginning of the first word we said, like, you know, retain good candidates and gain good candidates. So you've got to be very, very mindful that if you interview someone once and then you want to interview them again and then you want them to meet Jenny from HR and then you want them to meet Tim from, like, you know, the front desk or whatever, this candidate might be going, well, I've got another offer on the counter and I really want to work here with you, but I'm, I'm not I'm just getting another interview, another interview. So, yeah, it's there's no real like crazy kind of, I guess, recruitment process that people go through, but it's just that lack of communication in regards to another interview, second interview, psych test, um, maybe a lack of response, and then a third interview, as I said. Um, Yeah, yeah, just those continuous interviews, I think. It's interesting. I was talking to someone actually yesterday around this as well. So, you know, you're sort of saying, you know, great cans have been snapped up. Um, Are you also seeing in the market, though, they call it the great resignation, you know, people looking for other jobs. Uh, Like, are you also finding they're competing? You know, there might be sort of less candidates out there, but it's actually really competitive because people are still looking around for other roles um, while they're in their positions. Or how are you sort of seeing the market in that regard? Oh, I, I think with, especially in my space in IT, yeah. which has such a high number of, I guess, candidates from overseas. Yep. So that in itself is just a straightforward, like, clear answer that a lot of people from overseas aren't here anymore because of what's happened. So a lot of people have gone back, um, not as many students and stuff like that are kind of coming here again. Yeah. Um, so that's just a, a direct link to where, you know, the, the COVID, I guess, kind of um, has, has left us as a country. The other side of it, yeah, is now that people are reassessing what they want to do with their lives and where they want to live. Like, you know, you, I heard the numbers the other day about the only people that have left Victoria and New South Wales and have moved to these other states, in great states like Western Australia and, like, <laughs> oh, and, and Queensland, you know, these, <laughs> these unrecognised states that I feel like have always been the kind of, you know, WA stands for way to while, but now the reality is that people are looking for their, you know, sort of sea change and they're kind of moving away because 
you know their life had been reevaluated. What's more important to them? Um, you can work from home now. You like so many companies now work 100% remote, and that blows my mind. Yeah, like you can't have a culture with 100% remote, but it happens because that company doesn't really, I guess, I don't want to say it in a bad way, but they don't really worry about the culture side of things. Cause if as long as code's getting written, they're happy. Well, that's what I mean. If they're making money at the end of the day and they're you know, shareholders, then shareholders aren't going to be like, oh, well, I want to make sure your lunch on Friday is really up and about because if the money's coming in, the money's coming in. So these companies that are working remote, like people are moving away and stuff like that. So, yeah, people are, are really now, never before in our tenures, in our business careers, have seen anything like this? And no, and, and look, I, I guess I've dealt with a lot of it and, and talked to staff, and we, we have amazing staff that you know come in here and create an amazing culture, and that's something we probably hold you know dear to us that we've actually created a really good environment where our, our younger staff come in every day, they see each other, you know, they enjoy being with each other um, and get through those hard times. But uh, you made an interesting point there with the, everyone sort of that working from home and, you know, are you seeing candidates come in now and sort of have their list of demands and all that before they're starting as well? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's <laughs> power to the people. I'm all for it. Like, uh, you know, I don't have many times that I'm old school, but, yeah. you know, like, I still like, – I, I strongly believe when I work for me, I, I have a sense of loyalty to that company. Yep. Like, I understand – how much of a financial investment my company is taking on me. Like, I honestly mean that. Um, and I discuss that in my interviews and all that, so I, I really do appreciate and respect it. So I don't take it lightly. But in the same breath, I completely understand what I bring to the client. Yep. And I'm really confident in what I do and the person that I am and the culture that I bring to my company. And I'm not everyone's cup of tea, Jamie. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but I like to think I make a company a better workplace for me being in there. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's really, really funny now just watching people come in. Like, the, the 100% remote thing, to me, just blows my mind. Because I speak to people, and I'm like, hey, like, you interested in a role? And they're like, yep, cool. Like, what's the job? Tell them the job. And they're like, is it remote? I'm like, it's hybrid. They're like, nope. I'm like, not at all. They're like, nope. Like, they just don't want to do it. Yeah. So kudos to them. Like, you've got the power now. And that's what you were saying before. Candidates now have the power because it's candidate sure. So if you're a great candidate and you're really good at your job, it's just the same as salary. Set a salary that you're comfortable with or a daily rate for a contractor because you deserve it. You know, if, if the market will pay you, the market will pay Put as much money as you down want. I, I'm all for that. I've got no drums with that at all. Yeah, but we have laughed before, though. Sometimes, you know, you need to be working to that way, salary as well because you, know, you were saying giving back and, and I think sometimes, and, and there's been a few mistakes made by people where, oh, well, the market's going to give me that. I'm going to get in that and then three months they're out the door because they can't live up to that salary and then they've actually put themselves behind. Yeah, well, you make your bed, you lay in it. Yeah. It is, you know, is what we're saying here. So if... If that's what I mean. If you're confident enough and you're comfortable in your, I guess, skill set, then by all means do it. But the reality is then you are setting a high high bar, high standards for you to do your job. So if you think you can do that and you're happy to work to that, I don't want to say stress, but that kind of reality, then by all means go and do it. Yeah. Um, but you don't cry at the end of the day when you say, oh, my boss is you know, being hard on me because I haven't performed yet. Well... That's why you probably shouldn't have demanded, you know, thirty percent over market value of what people are currently paying. So, but as I said, if you want to do it, go do it. So it's just what's important to some people, what's important to others. Yeah. So we've talked about the candidates process in meeting a recruiter. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of business owners that listen here. I'm looking as a business owner. I need a candidate, um, or I need some, let's say, labour hire because you know, oh, I'm staff are feeling stressed. 
you know, we need to get someone. Where do we start? How do we know who we need to get? How do we find, you know, what you're saying, the skill sets? You know, how do we have that conversation internally and then go for that candidate? Yeah, so the eight-old ad would be putting a job app on a job um, ad up on Seek, yeah, and that's how everyone just used to do it. You know, other than if you didn't know someone already or know someone in like from your word of mouth. So people put the job ad on Seek now. I don't know if you've been putting many job ads up on Seek, have you? Yeah, I've, I've done a lot in my time. Yeah, so just roughly on say on a percentage basis, for the last job ad you posted, how many people were actually like well and truly qualified for that position out of the people that applied for it? Uh, not me- I find so financial serve planning in yep. itself is quite a unique industry, and the uh, degree that you need is quite finite. So yep. we found a lot of success in looking outside the industry. So the way I've sort of set up my job advert is to try and attract people that aren't from our industry per se, okay, but have a skill set to come in. So yep. we, we found more success doing that. But yep. I agree, like I have looked for. A job in here that is very sort of limited in our industry is called paraplanning. And yep. um, Innie does an amazing job in here. A young guy, Shay's um, in that at the moment as well. But, you know, it's such a limited sort of role in, yeah. in, in the universe, I guess, or world. But, you know, to go for that candidate, looking for those skill sets, you're not going to find candidates. Yeah. I was hoping that question was going to lead me down another path because I thought you were going to answer in a certain way. But that's great because it shows that you're really good at what you're doing in that aspect. I would have I would have imagined that you would have had people applying for that job that were nowhere near qualified in regards they weren't even in the state country yeah you know just really silly qualified um you know I, de- I definitely people that. applying yeah, yeah so you know I I would be you know saying I would say at least thirty to forty percent of the people that reply to my job ads um, aren't qualified for the role and when I say qualified I'm, I'm not even saying you know, have to have the degree I'm just saying they might be in a different state. They might I don't have the tenure. They might have never done that before, but they just hey, they want to be a cyber security expert now because they know that they watched a project on Monday night and you know Wally Daly told them they're going to make one hundred fifty thousand dollars a week if they have this qualification. So it's the the seek job ads like they work and you you know from my point of view I can build up my network when people apply. They might not be suitable for the first job, but I I will speak to them on the phone. I'll I'll call everyone I can and have a conversation with them if they are suitable. When I say if they're suitable, if they are in the right realm for that yep. role. Yeah, if they're in a different country, then no, I'm not going to call Zimbabwe for someone for a role here in Melbourne. Um, and if they're completely not qualified, then probably not going to call them. But everyone else, I will call, have a conversation with, and if they're not suitable, still connect with them on LinkedIn, build that rapport. The other one now, which is the main one now, is LinkedIn. Yeah. So LinkedIn's just obviously, you know, getting busier and busier and more, more popular. Uh, and it's a great tool because obviously it's, you know, doesn't have much of that social scene, even though I did see someone post about Alistair Clarkson signing with North Melbourne on there the other day, which um, the person even mentioned, I haven't posted on here in a long time. They hate social posts, but they mentioned they were a big uh, long-term Kangaroos fan. But LinkedIn now is where a lot of people, um, the clients advertising on there, um, and it's a seamless process. It's quite easy to use. I really like it. Um, but ev- everyone's on there. I'm finding from LinkedIn I'm probably not getting um, the right people applying for the roles. Yep. But what I see LinkedIn, if I have a candidate that sort of applies through, say, Seek, yep. applies through LinkedIn and then has the time to send me a personal message, that's just showing me they've taken the time. They've read the ad. Yeah. They want to find me. And they get the, that's their way of getting a personal approach. Like a, sounds weird but per LinkedIn does probably feel a little bit more personal than say an email because you, yep. you're putting your face in a profile and, and things like that so 
that's where I find the strength of LinkedIn. Mm. Um, and I advertise sort of through that way. And if you have people direct messaging me and yeah. you know, reaching out, connecting, um, that goes a long way in my thought pattern. Yeah, and I'm, I'm you know, not to thank because you said it. I, that's me as, as a candidate when I'm looking for my roles. I really like to, if I can, find the person who's the talent acquisition or the hiring manager and send them a message yep. and try and start up a conversation. Now, being honest, I'm not doing that just so they know my name. I'm actually doing that so I can genuinely ask questions that I think are going to help me get this role. Yep. But the reality is that, yeah, that person is going to know my name and then hopefully they're going to be like, oh, this guy is really... He's not just chucking a job out up on Sheik and changing the, you know cover letter at the top saying Anton I'm applying a four yeah. copy and paste new job title so um, it, it's but again it's there's no right or wrong way in regards to that so you know see all the different job ad boards people are using them now um, and going through and, and doing that but it's, yeah, it's just building your network along those lines as well so the more people you know on LinkedIn more people are sharing like I saw someone the other day put a really kind of heartfelt post up that they were um, looking for work and they've been you know kind of finding it a little bit hard at the moment um, and yeah, that was a really interesting way to think of someone trying to find a job because I think people want to help people yeah. uh, genuinely. So, you know, this person posted this on LinkedIn and went quite vulnerable, not over the top, it was still pre- quite professional, but so many people liked it. So every time someone likes that post, their second network, their third network, and then someone comments on it, their fourth network, like that would have gone to thousands of people. Yeah. So if I'm trying to post about myself finding a job and you know, the guy next to me is putting a job, like applying to a job out up on Seek, but I'm going on LinkedIn and putting a post up about myself and what I'm looking for, and I'm getting, you know, even to say 100 likes on yeah. LinkedIn, the amount of people that's reaching, incredible. Yeah. Like, really liked it. So it, it, there's no right or wrong way, and it's different at the moment. Mate, I really appreciate you coming in today. Um, I found insightful. It's going out, and I'm sure our sort of SME owners and and candidates alone as well, because I know this is, you know, especially you made the comment before the 40 year old, you know, looking in the job advert, and and a lot of people like that. They've been in a role for 10 years, and you know, it's the first yep. time they've had to step out and things like that. So, mate, I found it really insightful, and I've loved that I've had you on the podcast. Thank you very much, Jamie, for having me, and I look forward to speaking to you next year with LeBron James. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co, which we are an authorised representative of Gown Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Coffin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond and Co. and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.